see, this is my life. It always will be. There's nothing else. Just us. And the cameras. And those wonderful people out there in the dark. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Hello and welcome to another episode of Ready for Close-Up. My name is Andy and I'm here again with Sam. Hi, Sam. Hi, Andy. And today we would like to talk about a famous British composer named John Barry. John Barry is one of the favorite composers of you, Sam. And when you showed me your Spotify playlist that you did about John Barry songs and John Barry music, I had a listen to it and I was really intrigued, I would say, to find out how different and interesting his music actually is. So when you shared it with me, Sam, we thought thought our favorites might make for a great episode and we thought we could maybe introduce you to John Barry as a composer and then walk through a few of his highlights that we think are highlights in John Barry's work. Sam, tell us a little bit more why you love John Barry so much. Well, first of all, I'm really excited that we are doing this episode because this has been a labor of love project for me to put together all the songs by John Barry because he was kind of my first love in film music. And of course, coming from a passion for James Bond movies, I soon discovered his Bond scores, first of all, but then also his other soundtracks. And besides the lush and sultry and brassy and kooky sound, I was always fascinated by the number of songs that were made from his themes and how well his themes lend themselves to making them into songs. So I put together some of them as a playlist before, but a few weeks ago I decided, probably as one of those quasi-lockdown projects, to put together my John Barry songs according to my John Barry biography and to do this properly, song by song and in chronological order. And even though I had heard most of them before, I was actually really excited and stunned by some of the discoveries that I uncovered and a few rarities and oddities we might also talk about later on. Maybe for those who don't know John Barry that well, could you give us a summary on his life and his, his work? For sure. Well, John Barry was one of the most popular and successful British film composers from the 1960s to the 1990s. Most famous, certainly for his 11 James Bond scores. He was also a five-time Oscar winner and wrote some of the most enduringly popular scores for both British and American films. Born in 1933, Barry actually first became popular with his band, the John Barry Seven, already in the 1950s. And listening to their sound, one can definitely hear the twangs and the beats of his later 60s film scores. There has been an ongoing controversy over whether he has actually just arranged or also composed the famous James Bond theme. But his brassy and symphonic reworkings of Monty Norman's original theme have since made it truly his. And the Bond sound is definitely Barry's. And he topped it off very often with bombastic or lovely title tunes like Goldfinger, Thunderball, You Only Live Twice, and giving those huge hits to stars like Shirley Bassey, Tom Jones, or Nancy Sinatra. Barry's 60 scores were quirky, bold, and innovative, using unusual instruments like the balalaika or Moog synthesizers and odd rhythms. But there was always also a romantic sweep in his music that came to full bloom in his hit scores for Born Free, which won him two Oscars for both score and song by Matt Monroe. Barry could do both. 
compose wonderful main themes and turn out a hit song, as well as score suspense, romance and excitement. This made him actually perfect for Bond, with the scores for Other Majesty's Secret Service and Diamonds of Forever probably showing the pinnacle of his talent, but he would also prove a powerful voice in historical powerhouse movies like The Lion in Winter, which won him his third Oscar, Mary Queen of Scots, which got him another nomination, The Last Valley, and Robin and Marianne. Barry would also try his hand at all genres, including musicals, sometimes turning out a hit like Billy, and sometimes a miss like Lolita, my love. Once he had moved to Hollywood and led the life of a true star, marrying and divorcing, among others, Jane Birkin, and scoring blockbusters like King Kong, Moonraker, and The Black Hole, it seemed the sky was hardly the limit for John Barry. Somewhere along the way, he somewhat lost the quirky, innovative sound of the 60s and early 70s and went through what fans and critics have called his romantic turn. His scores became increasingly focused on one or two romantic main themes, which upper and lower string sections would mirror endlessly sometimes, but in fact, listening to even his later scores in detail, that really doesn't do them justice. There's much more to them. The effect of this could be extremely successful and beautiful, as in Somewhere in Time and Out of Africa, which won him Oscar number four, but at times, there was too much repetition and themes tended to be wonderful, but also made from the same basic cloth. Even his Bond scores started to sound like that, even though arguably Octopussy, A View to a Kill and The Living Daylights are powerful and sometimes lyrical. Let's not forget that working with Duran Duran, Aha, The Pretenders and Lisa Stansfield on songs propelled him back into the charts in the 1980s. It was health reasons that prevented him from scoring more bombs in the late 80s, but he returned triumphantly in 1990s Western epic Dances with Wolves, which won him Oscar number 5. The romantic, at times sultry and jazzy Barry sound graced films like Chaplin, The Scarlet Letter and Enigma until the early 2000s. The last 10 years of his life, Barry would dedicate to musical compositions outside of film composing, and he even wrote new songs that Shirley Bassey and the Ten Tenors picked up for their albums. Barry died in 2011. He had been named OBE, an officer of the British Empire, by the Queen in 1999 for his services. So Andy, I was wondering, once I had sent you the Sean Barry songbook playlist, what did you think of it? I was surprised how jazzy it was, to be honest. It has a really nice easy listening feel and I remember I was, to be honest, I knew Barry really, I would say almost exclusively for his uh, Bond work. So I was aware that he made these songs with Shirley Bassey and and all these, these Bond scores, but I, I didn't really know much more about him. So I, it was really nice to see that there was big open uh, windows, so to speak, this songbook that opened up to many other songs that I had no clue were composed by Barry. Some of the things we would expect from him, like the, the Bond style, brassy songs, um, powerhouse songs. But then at the beginning, when he still was working with um, singers like Adam Faith in the 1950s, making him a big star, there was a bit more quirk to it and it was a bit more lighthearted. And then more and more, I think Barry always came up again with absolutely stunningly lovely melodies that he used for his scores. And then very often they would also be produced into hit songs. And I think 
you can tell that until the 1970s there is always that romantic style to his songs and then comes the pop turn I think, which was mainly instigated by working together with Duran Duran. And then suddenly John Barry was super cool again. And mm-hmm. he turned out quite a number of hits until the 1990s. And I think it's interesting to note that he also made these transitions. Not many composers were able to do that. I think many people, they they define an era, they, they define a genre or a style. But especially in music, as also in movies, styles and modes and and what's hip and what's popular changes so fast that not all of these composers or directors are able then to go with the flow so to speak and it's interesting to see that barry was really able to do that from the early 60s up until the late 80s to really be on a top game quite constantly I think he's actually one of the most surprisingly adaptable composer and especially considering he's actually a composer who mostly wrote scores for film but of course coming from a quasi-pop background. So I think the mix of the things that he could do is astounding and also I think what's amazing about Barry is that his tunes work and that was a strength and a weakness for his scores. They work in all fashions. And sometimes you would you know, take one main theme and arrange it into 10 different styles throughout the movie. There'll be a lounge version and a disco version and a jazz version and a symphonic version. But I think it also makes it possible, for instance, for a song like A View to a Kill to work so well with a basic Barry melody. But then on top of it, there's this crazy mid-1980s pop anthem. And it still works. And I think it works because there is that good melody behind it. And also there's those symphonic elements that that come in. So I think that's why he's so... Yeah, there's so much variety in John Barry. And that's why I always get a little bit upset if people want to put him in the corner of, you know, he just wrote great string melodies and that that's what John Barry is. There, there's so much more to him. That's, that's exactly what my uh, prejudice was against John Barry because I think that's also what I think to the commoner moviegoer he's known for, that he really has these very symphonic melodic strings that are beautiful, beautiful. Do you think there is a distinct John Barry sound? And what is the Barry sound? There definitely is a Barry sound, or maybe there are Barry sounds. I think there are different registers that he has, but I think there is definitely a recognizable set of elements that he uses. They can be suspense elements, using especially, you know, percussion. And there is the romantic element, like I said, with the different string sections um, and that mirroring each other and playing on top of each other. There is also definitely the, the brassy twangy side that I mentioned before. If you listen to Goldfinger or Thunderball, which was also copied later on by people like David Arnold or Thomas Newman for the newer Bond scores. So you can't get around that because it's so typically Bond. So yes, there is a variety of that, but at the same time, I think it could also be changed and molded into all different atmospheres. And I think for a film score composer, that's the ideal thing that can happen. And I think for putting out a song, uh, it can also be a great thing because, as I said before, it's it can be romantic, it can be poppy, it can be disco. It somehow always works. You mentioned like the, also people later on, they were like copying him somehow. And I think this also made me think of the fact that sometimes you have pop songs and then the verdict is, oh, this sounds like a Bond song. 
And I think this is really strongly influenced by Barry as well, right? So that he's really made these elements, the strings, this, the, the instruments he uses, that, that he gave one of the biggest movie franchises such an iconic stamp. And maybe that's good and bad for Bond. In a way, there's no getting away really from that Barry sound because people expect that. And if you listen to anything that's been put out recently... Adele, for example. Well, Skyfall by Adele, Sam Smith writing on the wall, even Billie Eilish. The really recognizable Bond elements, in a way, are all Barry's or have been at least arranged by Barry so that people recognize them as Bond. And even Bond spoofs like Austin Powers and Johnny English and The Incredibles and so on, they all copy the Barry sound. But at the same time, it's also underestimating Barry because he's not just Bond and he's not just out of Africa and dances with wolves glory. There's more to him. And I think once we go into the songbook, maybe we'll discover some of that. So do you want to get started playing off each other's top six from our lists i mean my number six and i know we now discussed a bit that there's more to barry than just james bond but all my songs are actually <laughs> from bond movies but i think we will balance it out nicely with your selection so that's fine my number six is uh, diamonds are forever from 1971 sung by shirley bassey and i think it's really this dramatic lush and very sensuous song that feels very rich and elegant so this idea of diamonds and and i think the the, the atmosphere this movie creates together with the voice of shirley bassey is amazing i don't need love for what good will love do me diamonds never lie to me And my number six is actually from almost exactly the same moment that Barry wrote Diamonds Are Forever. In the early 70s, he wrote a score for a very beautiful movie called Walkabout by Nicholas Rogue that was set in the outback of Australia and was showing the beauty of nature. And actually the song is a bit of a rarity because the score doesn't feature an original song. But later on, they had Tony Bennett record a song version of Walkabout, which I think is just spectacularly beautiful because it mixes the nostalgia and the beauty that Barry wrote with the endlessly beautiful timbre of Tony Bennett's voice. Walkabout and learn unwinding We'll share spellbinding days You'll know if hummingbirds are shy And when you see a butterfly Scribbling 
across the sky You will wonder why Come Let's walk about Number five is The Living Daylights by AHA from the year 1987, also the title track of the Bond movie of the same title. To me personally, I think this song is the best thing about the movie. I think it's just really a great, great 80s pop song with beautiful vocals and it's really, it's stuck in your ear once you hear it. And I think it's amazing. My number five is another song from the early 70s, which I think is just one of Barry's most spectacularly creative periods. It's from a movie called The Dove, which was basically a movie about a couple sailing. And it's a summer movie, and for this, Barry wrote one of his most joyous, lyrical and beautiful score that captures the, the essence of that sailing adventure. And he wrote a title tune called Sail the Summer Wind by Lynn Paul. Now, you must go A View to a Kill from Duran Duran from the year 1985. Again, another Bond movie, A View to a Kill. I think it's, again, another great pop song. And I'm, I was surprised to discover that this was actually composed by John Barry because I think it's an amazing pop song and it also fits so well to Duran Duran that I would have never guessed it was composed by Barry because it's a great piece of 80s pop music. <laughs> Crystal tears Fall of snowflakes On your body First time in years To drench your skin Lover's rosy stain A chance to find The 
My number four is a quirky yet beautiful tune from the 1960s, Wednesday's Child, sung by Matt Monroe from the movie, the spy movie, The Quiller Memorandum. Matt Monroe is of course one of the major voices to have sung and interpreted many of John Barry's song, most famously Born Free, his Oscar-winning song. Wednesday's Child is another example and I think it's even more stunningly beautiful. My number three is You Only Live Twice from 1967, interpreted by Nancy Sinatra, and it's a title track of the Bond movie You Only Live Twice. It starts beautifully, beautifully. These strings in the beginning are amazing, and I think it's this, for me, this really specific 60s Bond song with Nancy's voice. And apparently she was super bad in the recording studio and they had to do endless and endless takes until she got it right. But um, we're all glad she finally did. And love is a stranger Who'll beckon you My number three is The Girl with the Sun in Her Hair, sung by Davy Clinton, actually for a commercial for shampoo, Sun Silk, in the 1960s. It's been one of my favorite instrumental tunes, and for this Barry songbook I discovered, there was actually a song version. I never heard it before, and when I put it together, I figured it's really not just one of Barry's most stunningly beautiful tunes that starts absolutely lushly with almost the only live twice style intro, but even more incredible. And then goes into that beautiful melody and considering it was written, you know, for a commercial, it's just testimony to whatever John Barry put out. He just put his best into it.
My number two is Goldfinger from the movie Goldfinger from 1964, sung by Shirley Bassey. One of the best Bond movies, of course, has also one of the best Bond songs. Everything is there, the brass, the jazz, the pizzazz, Shirley's voice. It's, yeah, really the epitome of a great Bond song. Golden words he will pour in your ear, but his lies can't disguise what you feel. Kiss of death from Mr. Goldfinger. Pretty girl, beware of this heart of gold. This heart is cold. He loves only gold. Only gold. He My number two is, strangely enough, also a Shirley Bassey-John Barry collaboration. But whereas Goldfinger was the very first one, this was actually the very last one. Because Shirley Bassey put out an album in 2009 on which she had songs by many composers that she had worked with before. And one of them was John Barry. And with his lyricist, Don Black, who also wrote songs like Diamonds Are Forever or The Man With The Golden Gun or Thunderball, he wrote a beautifully nostalgic and yearning song of old age, but still being open for a new love. And this song was called Our Time Is Now. And I think Shirley Bassey just showed on that song that she still had what it takes. And I think her slightly aged voice is perfect on that song. Time is now. 
My number one is We Have All the Time in the World from Louis Armstrong from 1969. Not directly a title track, but it was the main theme song of the Bond movie on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Not title track because it didn't run over the titles, so that's why. But it came in a very loving scene where Bond falls in love with Tracy, played by Diana Rigg. And I think this song is so beautiful as it really shows the blooming love of these two. But also in general, it's really the musical version of I mean, Louis Armstrong's voice is amazing. It's just romantic, soft, tender, and it really warms your heart. We have all the time in the world Just for love, nothing more, nothing less Only love My number one again goes back to Barry's most productive period in the early 70s because he was asked to score a western starring Lee Marvin and called Monty Walsh. And for this he wrote a beautiful and varied western score with both exciting but also yearning melodies. And the title track was called The Good Times Are Coming and they actually asked Mama Cass to do the singing on this song. I think it's just one of the most beautiful tunes of the 1970s. It fits the Western perfectly well, and it's also one of the most upbeat songs that there is. The Good Times Are Coming by Mama Cass. So Andy, thanks for your selection. I was of course happy that you took the Bond side of my John Barry playlist and I was able to sneak away and go to the rest of the playlist and focus on that. Of course, I totally agree with your choice. Also my five top Bond songs by John Barry. 
And I must say, it shows also the range that he has, going from the lushness of Diamonds Are Forever, the pop of the 280s tunes, to the beauty of You Only Live Twice, the brass of Goldfinger, and just the heartbreak of We Have All The Time In The World, which actually became a number one hit in the 1990s again. Did you know that? When they used it for a commercial as well. It works beautifully, I think. Also your selection, it, it really shows the range of John Barry. And I think on the songbook, there are some other rarities and oddities and curious finds. There's the original Goldfinger version sung by Anthony Newley in a very different style than Shirley Bassey. There are other John Barry songs sung by Shirley Bassey. There's the beautiful The Secrets of Rome sung by none other than Sophia Loren. There's a demo version that I like quite a lot of You Only Live Twice by Julie Rogers. There are songs from his musicals, for instance, Billy and an Alice in Wonderland version with beautiful songs. Jodie Foster sings one of his songs. Then there's the Pretenders who did songs for The Living Daylights. And there's also Lisa Stansfield who had a major hit in All the Right Places written by John Barry for the movie An Indecent Proposal starring Robert Redford. And finally, probably the last song that he wrote and that was performed by composer David Arnold at the memorial concert for John Barry is also a beautiful one, which is called I Tick the Days of One by One. So definitely go out there and listen to it on Spotify and on YouTube. And if you Google my John Barry songbook, you should find it. Absolutely. So hopefully a lot of listeners go and discover much more of John Barry and his amazing work. Thank you very much, Sam, for walking us through this. Um, I think this was a fun episode once again, focusing on a composer. But I think since we're already now uh, heading towards Christmas, I think we missed out on one, one final song, which uh, fits perfectly the season. It's also from the movie On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Uh, do you know how Christmas trees are grown? And to me, the fun fact is that there exists a German version of uh, beloved Katja Epstein. So maybe we want to have a short listening to that song before uh, we say goodbye to our listeners. Absolutely. And here's wishing all our listeners, despite everything, a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And we are looking forward to being ready for close up again. Kannst du's ahnen? Warum?
Darkness dead. 